Hello, everyone, and welcome into episode 30 of the Stomp the Bus show. I'm your host, Mark Harris. Our co-host, Colton Dodgson, can't make it tonight, so I'll just be riding solo with you. Uh, got some Pac-12 media deal stuff to talk about, um, comments from Ray Anderson, some potential partners. But before we get to that, this is an ASU podcast, first and foremost, um, ASU football is the main topic of this, but I mean, if you're a Sun Devil fan, you can't can't stop uh, thinking about the Mikhail Mary over the weekend. Uh, ASU keeps its season, ASU basketball keeps its season alive with a, I don't know, 60-foot shot from Desmond Cambridge at the buzzer to beat Arizona in Tucson, 89-88. It was in it absolutely insane play and there's no, no no way to describe it and it it saved the season for ASU um if ASU doesn't win that game the, their tournament chances are you have to win in the Pac-12 tournament basically you like you have to win the Pac-12 tournament or you have to sweep the LA schools on the road this weekend which that is <laughs> not going to happen so it just one of one of the great ASU sports moments in recent history honestly um there haven't been a lot of great moments in the past for the main sports anyway for the the, the biggest sports um softball had a good run last year but they lost right away in the playoffs and their coach left right after so people can throw that in what in there but i mean that was just such a great moment for ASU basketball to win in Tucson you saved the season and you played a great game too like it, even though it did take a miracle shot to win. ASU basketball legitimately had an incredible game. They were making tough threes. Um, even guys, Jemaya Neal, Alonzo Gaffney, great games from them, both reaching double figures. Warren Washington has a good game. DJ Horn, another good game. Obviously, Desmond Cambridge, uh, great game. Incredible shot. I mean, he he talked after the game. <laughs> he was just hoping that it like almost went in and the crowd was like, oh, he, he got it pretty close. And then it goes in and it, and when you watch it, it looked for, uh, for, you know, half court shot standards looked pretty good. And it just, just went right in, no bank, no rattling around in the rim, just swish, just right in like Steph Curry shot it. Uh, just an amazing play. You, it gets ASU basketball to 20 wins, which is, that's big for ASU basketball. Okay. You can, you know, I don't know how many non-ASU fans are watching this, but go look at Wikipedia and the ASU, you know, basketball wins by year. It's 20's good. That, that's what I'll say. Um, and I'll talk about bracketology in a bit, but your season is very much alive. You can probably get in the tournament just by splitting with the LA schools this weekend. And if you lose both games, it's going to be trickier, but you can make up for it uh, in the Pac-12 tournament, win a few games there and bolster up the, win loss column um it's just as an asu fan it's like finally you get something like a good moment that actually means something you know because asu football you beat washington last year that was a good win but ultimately that didn't really change anything about the season so um you know tough cool individual game but it doesn't mean anything beyond that this is so big in so many ways um, for one, like I mentioned earlier, it 
keeps you on the track or really it doesn't keep you on the track. It puts you back on the track of potentially making the NCAA tournament. And, you know, as of right now, they are like, I think Lenardi has them as the last team in. So now you're getting to the point where, oh, okay, we can, we should be rooting for these, for example, Oklahoma state lost yesterday, Nevada lost Clemson lost. I'm recording today, the 28th of February. Clemson lost to Virginia today. These are all very good things for ASU. They need the other bubble teams to start falling off. And obviously for any bubble team, you don't want some smaller uh, school to go steal a bid um, in the NCAA tournament. So that's always an issue. So ASU definitely is not uh, out of the woods just yet with one big win. But, I mean, the shot basically saved the season, you know. (laughs) It's it's crazy because I've been so I've been up and down on Bobby this year, Bobby coach Bobby Hurley. Um, And they start the season off great. But even in the uh, the non-con, you lose to Texas Southern and you get blown off the court uh, at San Francisco by the Dons. And then in the Pac-12, you lose to U of A early. Okay, people kind of expected that. Then they get on a good run. beat the Washington schools at home, beat the Oregon state, Oregon schools on the road. Uh, They they were just off to a good start in Pac-12 play. You lose to UCLA and then you lose five out of six. And it's like, oh man, it's like back. It's the scary movie that comes back again. Uh, You know, Michael Myers haunts ASU in the form of a mid-season Pac-12 conference losing streak. It doesn't matter what happens. Anything with ASU, they, they will have that streak at some point. But then... They kind of rebounded throughout the season. You beat the Bay Area schools on the road and in very unimpressive fashion, but you avoided a terrible loss. And then you split with Utah and Colorado at home. And, you know, going into that game in Tucson at 19 and nine, nobody really thought you were going to make the tournament, you know, because heading into that game in Tucson, you had three road regular season games left. They were in Tucson and the two LA schools. And those are the three best teams in the league. And so you're thinking, okay, like I wish we had won, you know, one of the games on the Washington road trip where we lost them both. I wish we had beaten Colorado at home. I wish we had beaten Oregon at home Um, because you don't expect to win those three road games at the end of the year. Well, they're probably not going to win all three, but they've won at least one. And so if they split in LA, then they'll go two and one on the road, uh, you know, road trip. So they are, they are very much alive and it's so weird. I've just, for the first part of the season, I'm like, Oh, I can't, I'm booking tournament tickets. You know, me and some of my friends, we were thinking if ASU gets seated and um, I think the only two Western regions of the country are Western first round locations are in Denver, Sacramento, Sacramento is a little closer to Phoenix, but both are long driving distance, short flights. And we're thinking, oh, let's go. They'll, you know, they might be like a six seed. And so maybe they'll just get pushed, you know, placed in Denver, placed in Sacramento. That's not going to happen. You know, now, now it looks like they might be uh, having to use those, you know, use those frequent flyer miles heading back to Dayton uh, because that's kind of, kind of looking like where uh, that's where they'll start the, you know, hopefully NCAA tournament if they get there. Uh but I mean, at this point, it's like, just get to the tournament, you know? And that's, um, that's like I mentioned earlier, that's kind of, I don't even want to say that's the standard at ASU, but that that's for me, that's the standard when you have a, 
a good team and the Sun Devils do, you know, the Cambridge brothers, Devin Cambridge didn't have a huge game. Uh, one huge rebound at the end, he kind of stole it from two Bellas, but um, he's been a great, great player for us. The Auburn transfer Desmond Cambridge hit the great shot. You know, he's just a fantastic shot maker when he gets hot. Warren Washington, great center. Um, I wonder what his NBA future is like, cause he is fairly skilled. Uh, I don't know how well he'll be defensively, but it, it, it'll be interesting to watch his professional career. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's just, it, I did not, I mean, I was watching the game with Colton and our friend Connor and we're out most of the second. It, it was just, it looked like U of A was going to pull away. They would build like a five point lead, six point lead. And you're like, okay, I've seen this movie before. Like ASU's fought in these games before, but then U of A goes on to win by 10 points. Looked like that was going to happen. Looked like it was going to happen late in the game, but ASU kept fighting. And, you know, Hurley's teams, and yeah, and they pull off the win. And, you know, Hurley's teams, there's just an inconsistency with them. That's just part of it. Uh, and you, you saw it in this last game. I think they had a kind of a scoring drought there for a little bit. Sometimes guys take, you know, threes way too early in the shot clock, and it can be frustrating. But the one thing with Bobby is those guys play hard for him. And um, I was I was not happy with Bobby very recently. Um, I think after the Colorado loss at home, that was just a really that was a really tough loss. And they after that loss, it looked very unlikely they would make the tournament. And I mean. That like. (laughs) that was really disappointing based on how they started the season. Now they've kind of rebounded a bit and it's like, Oh, they might actually make the tournament. Now they've got to 20 wins, which they had that when I, you know, when they lost to Colorado, I was not sure that was going to happen. The only winnable game at that point seemed like it would be Utah. So getting to 20 wins, that's big. They're at 20 and nine. They're well with well on the bubble. Um, And going back to Bobby, he has one year left. Um, on his current contract. So it feels like they're just going to kind of want to ride it out and see if he makes the tournament. And I mean, if he, if he makes the NCAA tournament or honestly, if they finish, like if they finish with 22 wins, whether it be you split the LA schools and you win a game in the PAC 12 conference tournament, you get to 22 at that, that way to get to 22 by beating both then he's definitely coming back um, because they'll get in and they, they probably won't even be a bubble team if they beat both, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, you get 22, maybe you lose both, but you win two games in the PAC 12 tournament. It's like, okay. Um, I think if he gets to 22 wins, they make the tournament. And, and if they make the tournament, Bobby Hurley is going to get an extension or he should anyway, he should. And the, the thing is like, I'm going to talk about Ray Anderson later in this, but I do not I don't know if I trust Anderson to make this hire for the basketball program. And the thing with Bobby and I have defended him in the past and I guess I'm defending him now, but uh, in previous years, despite, you know, the uneven offensive play that comes up, it's, it's, it's just, if you fire Bobby, there is a huge, huge risk of you being much, much worse at ASU. The, facility, the the arena, I, I like Desert Financial Arena. It is an old, 
arena. Like it is, it feels like you're traveling back in time and pretty much all ASU. That's really the only ASU facility. That's like that. You have a brand new hockey arena, Sun Devil stadiums remodeled baseball plays at a nice facility. It's not on campus, but it's pretty freaking close. Um, they, the, the facilities are fine. The swimming facilities, cool. Like it's really just desert financial arena. Um, and so that can't be helpful when you're recruiting and it looks like you're, you know, walking down the hallway and it feels like it's the 1970s. So, um, that's an issue. And there's no ASU fan, like there's not some huge ASU fan basketball, uh, fan base they can just lean on, you know? Um, people will go to games if there's like a drumbeat of anticipation, a la the UCLA game earlier this year. Uh, but I mean, if it's just because you're playing a conference opponent home, if you're playing an Oregon State on like a Thursday night, you know, you get pretty spotty attendance. Um, so it's not the most rabid college basketball fan base. It's just not. Uh, and and um, Bobby Cooley loves the school. His kids go there when one of them's on the team. Um, and I say all that to say replacing Bobby with someone who is clearly better, that's just, that is a risk. That is a huge risk. Um, it's, with ASU basketball, you can't just fall back on, oh, we'll, we'll be okay if we make a meh hire. Like, if, if ASU, if Kenny Dillingham doesn't turn out to be a great hire, but he's just kind of an okay hire, ASU football isn't going to, you know, drop to three and nine every single year like it was last year. It'll kind of just be what it has been in, you know, the past 20 years, a seven and five, six and six type of program. Um, but with ASU basketball, if you hire a meh coach there, they can fall way, like they can be what Cal is. They can be what Oregon State is right now. Um, and so that's why, that's why I think so many ASU fans root for Bobby Hurley. They want him to do well because they know that you, yeah, you could do better. You could, you know, make a fantastic hire guys, you know, get someone out of nowhere. Maybe um, you pick off a coach from somewhere else, but with Bobby, you know that they're going to schedule competitive games in the non-con, which they did this year. Um, and you know that there's, there's always going to be effort and you know that, there's a good chance at the end of the year you will be in the mix for the tournament. That's that's what I'll say. I'm not going to say you you go in every year thinking we're going to make it, you know, because we're ASU basketball and that's what we do because that's not how it is. But if if they make the tournament this year, uh, I think I think he's been here eight years, eight or nine years. I um I think eight. I'm going to say eight, but it could be nine. Anyway. Um, he made it in 2018, 2019, would have made it in 2020. So I'm counting that on his side of the ledger. Uh, the t- 21, 22, 21 was a disaster and 22, they just started off so slow and that, that team just wasn't as talented. Um, and they didn't make it those two years, but then this year, 23, you make it. I mean, there's, that's looking, that's basically like, every other year you make the tournament for ASU. And that is (laughs) you, you shouldn't just scoff at that because there's some ugly games every once in a while, but in fairness to people who are critical of Bobby earlier this year, like 
you didn't know we, there was no sign that they were just going to turn this around, you know, when they had that losing streak, um, kind of late January, early February, there was no, it did not look like there was some light at the end of the tunnel at times. So obviously it's fantastic. They've turned things around. You hit the miracle shot, you know, maybe the karma sports gods, it's, you lose on a buzzer, you know, on a tip in to Texas Southern to start the year. And, but maybe it, all the machinations of everything you win in Tucson on a, you know, 60 foot buzzer beer. <laughs> so it was just one of the craziest games. I think this is the most, the most I've just celebrated an individual play for ASU since the jail Mary uh, back in 2014 the walk-off Hail Mary to Jalen Strong and USC. It it had it was the same emotion. It was the holy, holy cow, we actually won um against a you know superior program on the road. It was huge for our season. I mean, I'm just so excited because now it's like, oh my gosh, we're actually we can make the tournament now, you know, and that's how I felt pretty much for most of this entire ASU season up until like a few weeks ago. So it's fantastic. Desmond Cambridge, you know, look, he's been here for not even a year, but that will be, that's always going to be in, you know, in the lore of ASU history or whatever you want to call it. It's, it's always going to be talked about. Uh, people are still coming up with the nickname. I think Mikhail Mary is great. I know that there are some ASU fans that don't like it because it's using the opposing fan, like the opposing arena in part of the uh, description of it. I've seen some people say the miracle McHale. I've seen game bridge, the Desmond dagger. Desmond dagger is my second favorite of those, but I mean, McHale Mary's fantastic. It, it fits. I think that's kind of just been the most natural one on social media. Uh, people will know what it means. And man, I, <laughs> it's so funny because as we were watching those late free throws by Ballo, and for those of you who don't know, uh, late in the game, ASU uh, doesn't score. DJ Horn misses a three. Ballo gets a rebound, uh, although should have been over the back on that one. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, gets fouled. You know, he's Omar Ballo. He's like a 57% free throw shooter. Um and lo and behold, he misses the first one. Um, and I know this is just some huge Monday morning quarterbacking, but you have to tell him to purposely miss the second one. Because I, me and Colton and Connor, we were all watching that game being like, please make this next one, please. Because ASU is not winning that game if the ball careens off the, um, the hoop and – it has to land in someone's hands. Oh, and you have to get like a good run up to get a half court shot off. It's just too much. Sure, it could happen if the ball bounced the right way, but it's just so much, so much more uh, required as opposed to him making the second free throw, which he did ASU inbounds. And they credit to Bobby. They ran a great play. They just had, uh, they had a screener uh, take a guy in the backcourt or in the, in the back half of the court. And then, Cambridge ran around, got like one dribble, uh, launched it, swish. I thought, I thought he could have had another dribble and made it, uh, because I think he hit left it 
uh, I think the ball left his hands with 1.4 seconds left on the clock or something. So he probably had one dribble to spare, but uh, I shouldn't be telling him how to do it uh, since he won it. And, um, you know, even three days later, it's just like, wow. I I, I probably watched that highlight so many times. <laughs> it's got to be one of my most replayed sports highlights I've seen in my life. And uh, for, for those of you who haven't heard the uh, ASU home announcer call, Tim Healy, Kyle Dodd, I mean, Kyle Dodd. Loses it. Uh, he, he, there's like a high pitched woo in there. I mean, I heard him in an interview afterward say, like, I hope I didn't swear in that. And that's, you love it because it's, if you're an ASU fan, it's so hard to go down to McHale and win. I think the only time I've previous to on Saturday seen them win in McHale was, I want to say that was the 2020 season. That was when ASU was a good team. They had Dorton Cheatham. Um, and I think that was the year that U of A, I, I think that was like the Nico Mannion year. That was the worst year that they've had. Uh, and I think a lot of the potential cheating DeAndre and stuff came out. And so I forgot how specifically that effect, affected them, but uh, they weren't good that year. And ASU beat them in Tucson that year, but it's like you beat a bad team. You kind of had to win because just like, when is U of A going to be bad again? Um, and they, they aren't bad this year and you still beat them and, um, like I said, uh, ASU played a great game too. Like it was just, just a fantastic college basketball game. Um, you know, I, we don't talk about college basketball a lot on this show. Um, sometimes it, look, I, I'll be frank with you guys. Like sometimes college basketball can just be absolutely brutal to watch. Um, and you know, the skill obviously with any, you know, pro sport and college sport, there's a difference in talent, skill level, proficiency, but for whatever reason, it just highlights itself so much more in, um, in college basketball. And, you know, maybe at, at least from an entertainment value, I get that the average college pitcher is nowhere near the MLB pitcher, but from an entertainment value, college baseball and MLB, there's an argument college baseball is even more entertaining and NFL college football, you know, same type of debate. So, uh, but ASU at U of A. It, it was just a great college basketball game. Guys were in shots. There was good defense being played at well as well. Great environment, you know. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about it. But it was just such a great game. Great shot, you know. Just one of the iconic ASU sporting moments of my time as an ASU fan. You know, I've been started uh, going to school there in 2014. So pretty much before then, I didn't have any real connection to it uh growing up out of state but that was just such a great moment um and hopefully it springboards asu onto uh at least an appearance in the ncaa tournament there would be <laughs> there would be nothing more on brand than asu hitting that shot winning the game you get to 20 and 9 things are looking good then you just you lose both la games and you lose <laughs> you lose to like Stanford or Cal in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament. And it's just, it, uh, it all just kind of falls apart. So hopefully that scenario doesn't happen. Um, I don't think it will, but um, things are looking good for ASU. And so go uh, to my rooting interest is now all the teams that are playing bubble teams, you know, uh, keep knocking off our competition. So yeah, just a just a fantastic moment for ASU, and it just keeps your season alive. And 
it's just a great moment. Um, anyway, on to football or really uh, football TV negotiations, which are so much fun. He said sarcastically. Uh, yeah, Pac-12 still has not finalized a media deal and it's getting annoying um, just waiting on it. But from the other side of my brain, I'm like, okay, well, what's the standard process for a media deal to get done? You know, especially one that's going to involve streamers. And so um, the way this relates to ASU is that uh, Arizona State Vice President of University Athletics, Ray Anderson, he's the athletic director. They just, it's a different title. He's officially the vice president for university athletics, but he's essentially, he's the athletic director. Uh, and he gave, he went on um, Arizona sports radio station. They do a thing called Newsmakers Week where they just have local uh, sports executives, figures in the Valley uh, come on and uh, get asked some questions about stuff. But what he said that... Um, kind of caught people's attention was I am looking for the exact quote. Uh, he basically gave a quote and I want to, I'm going to read it out the exact quote uh, while I find it the article, but it was a quote saying we're not going to get as much in the media deal as originally projected, but it will be enough to keep everyone happy and to keep the conference afloat. Um, which I found an interesting, found to be an interesting quote. Uh, I think that's, <laughs> that could be true. Uh, it's just, it's just, I, there's no way that, uh, <laughs> there's just, there's no way that uh, the people higher up were like, oh, thanks for saying it. it it'll just be solid enough. Um, so, he, okay, I'm going to read the quote here. Quote. We've just been forced, like everyone else, unfortunately, to let this thing play out because we're not directly in the driver's seat. That being said, we have confidence our commissioners and our presidents and chancellors are going to get to a place where a media rights deal and a grant of rights is done. It may not be the projections originally contemplated, but will be a solid enough financial situation to keep this conference together, and then we will really look hard yeah we will really work hard to move forward positively so the key kind of sentence in here is it may not be the projections originally contemplated but it will be a solid enough financial situation to keep this conference together that is the money uh sentence in that because the rest of it is really just you know speculation and could because the thing is with these media deals is that there's way, I mean, I, I don't report on this. This is something that John Wilner said, okay? And he's Bay Area news reporter. Um, basically what he is saying is like, these, these media deals, like there's way fewer people that truly know what's going on um, than people think. You know, it's really only the people negotiating. And so when Ray Anderson says we've been forced like everyone else, unfortunately to let this thing play out, 
because we're not directly in the driver's seat, that means, you know, not all 12 or 10 of the PAC 12 presidents are all in the room negotiating with Fox and well, maybe not Fox, but you know, ESPN, Apple, whomever it may be, it's a smaller group of people representing the PAC 12. So I think that's what he means by that first part. But when it says it may not be the projections originally contemplated, but it will be solid enough financial situation to keep this conference together. Oh boy. When people saw that quote, they reacted to it quite, uh, quite strongly. And it's so funny to me because it's basically like a Rorschach test. I think I pronounced that right. A, a Rorschach test on like what you think is going to happen with the PAC 12. Because when I, when I heard it may not be the projections originally yeah, contemplated, but it'll be solid enough to keep the conference together. I think, okay, you know, they're not going to, because they, I think it was reported they were originally hoping for 40 million per school. So when I see that, it's okay, they're not going to get 40 million per school. They may not get 35 million per school, but it's going to be somewhere. It's going to be good enough per school that people aren't leaving, you know? Um, because sometimes people think that like a school like ASU or Arizona, Colorado, Utah, if the Pac 12. <coughs> The Pac-12 uh, per school gets lower than the Big 12s. I think it's 31.7 million per year per school. Then, if if the Pac-12 gets 30 million per year, then all these schools are just going to leave, and it's like it would have to be way lower. <laughs> I mean, I feel like 25 million is that's where you can actually start talking. Hmm, would this school actually leave? You know. So anyway, when I heard that, it's I I think honestly when I hear him say that, like. I think that it means it's it's just going to be just less of an impressive deal than they had originally hoped. Um, but does that mean the Pac-12 is going to break up? You know, maybe. I'm you know I'm not I'm not. I have no you know we, we don't know what's going to happen, but that to me sounds like things are progressing well. And sure, you're not. It's not going to be. 40 million per year, maybe it won't be 35, but it's going to be sufficient enough. And that's the key word there. Other people saw this and said, it's not going to be the numbers we originally thought. Uh, and they're like, okay, well then if it's not going to be the numbers they thought, then that means the PAC 12 is going to, going to uh, dissolve. And, you know, the four corner schools go to the big 12, Washington, Oregon will leave to the big 10 and, you know, we'll be on our merry way, but, and maybe it will mean that I, to me, this is like, like you turn in a, you turn in a paper in school and you did a good enough job to get a B minus, but maybe if you had done things better, you could have gotten an A, you know, and that's kind of how I feel this Pac-12 negotiations going out or uh, is playing out. Um, because the clearly George Klavkoff, Pac-12 commissioner, by waiting this long and the Big 12 undercutting him, signing a deal in the uh, this fall, getting schools at $31.7 it kind of it lowered the market. And so schools aren't going to be like, Oh, we're not, our media partners aren't going to be, Oh, we're not going to pay 
40 million for Pac-12 school when the Big 12 schools are getting 31.7, you know, because there's not some huge fundamental difference between these leagues. So that's hurt. And the other thing is the lack of a PR uh, push from their end, um, just when it regards to social media and all that. But maybe when it's done, it's done. Um, and no one will remember this stuff anymore. But I did think those were interesting quotes from Anderson. <clears throat> I will say this. Um, the fact that he said it will be a solid enough financial situation to keep this conference together. I mean, look, I get it that people, it, you're committed until you're not committed, right? You're committed until the, there's a better opportunity elsewhere. But for I think those are pretty... I don't want to say definitive, but it's pretty clear language that, yeah, you know, it's not going to be amazing, amazing, but solid enough financial situation to keep this conference together. It's yeah, we're probably going to stick together. You know, that that's what I read from that. And the fact that Ray Anderson, who is not the president, uh, some people said on social media, he is the athletic director. Um, the fact that that information is getting all the way down to him. You know, that makes me think that, Behind the scenes, they at least have some options on the table. Um, so we'll see what happens. You know, it's <laughs> it's this, uh, you know, I was really hoping, um, I wasn't expecting per se, but I was hoping that it's, all this would be done by the next time we recorded. But, um, you know, it's still going along. There was some reporting <laughs> There was some reporting on uh, on Friday. Uh, Brett McMurphy of the Action Network reported that um, Ion Scripps, which is owned by uh, Scripps Television, I think they own TV stations. Ion Television, which is like plays reruns from like old TV shows, that they emerged as a partner, and that really caught my eye because it's like, why would they be going to Ion Television? That doesn't make any sense. And then like two hours later, Stuart Mandel of the Athletic said. Ion and Pac-12 are not uh, negotiating. And today, uh, John Wilner said on a Seattle radio station that that Ion and the Pac-12 have not been um, in contact. I think he mentioned, like, if they were in contact, then Oregon, or I think he tweeted something of, like, if they were in contact, Oregon and Washington would have left Klyavkov out of the room or something. So, personally, I don't believe that Ion is really in the Pac-12 deal. Um, we'll see. We shall see, but that's just my view of it. Um, and, you know, since the last time we talked, or I, uh, we recorded, um, Apple TV has emerged as a potential landing spot. Uh, this came out on February 21st, reported by Andrew Marchand of the New York Post. Um, there was some in there that, that say the Pac-12 might go exclusive streaming meaning you know you could only find pac-12 content on apple tv i just don't believe that that that's how it's going to go down um you know you read you know it it's just there's not any report of like oh espn is withdrawn from pac-12 or uh amazon is withdrawn there's stories of amazon wanting you know a friday night game so uh but when it when it comes to Apple TV, I'm fine with having a lot of stuff on there. Honestly, like I don't. For me, 
and I'm 27 years old. I get it. It's really not that hard to access Apple TV. It takes like three clicks of your Roku remote and you're already on there. Um, and the other thing is like, you'll know when the game is going to be with Apple TV more so because um, they just have more band, more, more ability to show, show the game. And there's not like, they're not constricted to like time slots, like TV. So, I mean, I think that would be a great partner for the PAC 12. Uh, there's also, you know, been some speculation that maybe they just use all the current PAC 12 network uh, studio equipment and all the resources they already have built out for that and just use that for their Apple uh, broadcast. And they just use all that equipment to show women's basketball games and men's basketball games and, uh, you know, football games or w w whatever it may be. And, you know, maybe that's a good, that's something that kind of smooths, smooths this negotiation with Apple who uh, hasn't been in the college sports space, although they have been in MLS and it seemed like it was pretty, I didn't want, you know, I didn't watch it, but it seemed like it was pretty easy for people to find games. Um, and to look to me as a fan, I just am not that worried about PAC 12 and Apple. I think, I think that's a good partner and yes, I'll grant, like if you're arguing, Oh, it'd be bad because people, it would be harder to find. I would say I, I give you that if it's 100% on Apple, then yes, that would be worse. But, you know, ESPN could still be in this. And so we'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm just not worried about being a, like, I just don't think it's that, that hard to find Apple TV on your remote, you know? Um, they make it easy for people to get Apple TV and it comes with like the app already loaded on iPhones as it is. So, you know, I, I, when it comes to this PAC 12 thing, like I'm just waiting really for just for the final deal to come out and then we can see how this goes, you know, because use me. I'll be honest, like, I don't want the Pac-12 to just go away in this round of uh, media negotiations. And it's not that, like, I'm vi vehemently opposed to ASU going to the Big 12 because I'm not. It's just I don't want the Pac-12 to just die just yet just because just because people can, you know, figure out the money and all that. But it's obviously realistic that it does happen. I'm not I'm not saying it 100 percent won't. I don't know. But. I don't think Oregon State and Washington State should just get thrown aside to the Mountain West just because other schools, you know, you, the LA schools left. And so now they're, those two are on the, uh, looking on the outside of it. You know, my dad went to Oregon State. I have a lot of friends that went to Wazoo. I'm sorry, like it's more fun for me as an ASU fan if ASU was playing those teams as opposed to teams uh, in the Midwest, basically, in the Great Plains. And so it's, I'm, as an ASU fan, like, you have to be prepared of, like, we could very well go to the Big 12. Like, I am not, uh, and I would be fine with that. It's just, I don't think, I think ASU should, it's, well, it's not really, 
it, it, it's just the thing is we all nobody really knows what's going to happen until a deal becomes finalized and then maybe schools are like okay that's not enough money we're going to bounce um obviously if oregon and washington leave for the big 10 then this whole thing falls apart but i don't know i don't think that's happening anytime soon um they the, for one those schools would be dilutive to the big 10s uh value per school they would lower the amount of money coming in and that's not you can look that up it's not they they just they aren't as much as any in fact i think the only school that wouldn't would be notre dame they would be the only school that the big big 10 could could add that could add additional value onto uh the per school the per year payout per school so yeah just kind of talking all that out um you know for asu i, I i'll say this like it's good that were wanted in the sense because like the big 12 wants ASU to come uh, to its conference and same with U of A <clears throat> I'd imagine Utah and Colorado as well, because uh, those schools just keep getting bandied about as possible big 12 additions. Um, and all, like, it's better to be that than be like Oregon state or Washington state where you don't know what's going to happen if the PAC 12 falls apart you know if if the pac-12 falls apart asu could just go to the big 12 um it probably <laughs> i i sincerely doubt it is president michael crow's first uh first option um for those of you who don't know crow he's i mean i don't know him either but i've followed him and he is not um he's not like sports sports minded first when it comes to uh you know college administration or really like big time sports first like michael crow was a huge larry scott supporter defender and so i just don't think that equates with him being like let's get asu to the big 12 as soon as possible i just don't see that to me it like i feel like asu goes to the big 12 if they absolutely have to and they may absolutely have to you know it's not like we don't know when this pac-12 media deal is going to be done you know, it's you've heard interviews and people have said it's kind of mid-March is the unofficial deadline. And so two weeks away, basically. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and, you know, if it's a really low number, then ASU will have to figure something out. But I could also see, like I said, I could see it being a, let's say it's like 28 million per school. That's kind of unimpressive based on what the Big 12 got, based on what the Pac-12 wanted to get but is it enough for the conference to fracture you know i don't know um we'll see i mean there's unequal revenue sharing that could factor into this there's all sorts of things <clears throat> you know maybe they sign a deal exclusively with apple but apple you know sub licenses some of the games to linear tv channels and uh you know that's how a potential top 10 showdown between Oregon and Washington gets watched or whatever it may be. So I don't know what's going to happen. I just kind of want to wrap this up with uh, after just talking about some of the TV deal stuff uh, is that I think something probably comes together and I think there'll be heavy streaming. Personally, I don't think the streaming is some huge barrier. I know I'm on the younger side. I get it. Um, I just don't. And I don't think it's that big of a deal kind of switching back from TV to streaming you know 
especially if your Roku remote has enough batteries in it. <laughs> so I, I just don't think it's that big of a deal. And it would also, Pac-12 fans would know exactly where the game's going to be, you know, oh, it'll be on Apple at seven or whatever. And that hasn't always been the case. So, uh, and it's way more accessible than the Pac-12 network, which people really seem to forget sometimes when they're talking about this. But um, even though I am, I won't say bullish, I'm just, I'm more bullish on the Pac-12 not blowing up than I am bullish that they're going to have a great media deal, if that makes sense. You know, I don't think, I, I think they're just going to survive this and not thrive in this. Uh, but the possibility of the Pac-12 dissolving is very real. And so ASU, the powers that be, and I, you know, I said this over the summer too, they need to be ready to go to the Big 12 if they have to. Um, so we'll see where that goes. Hopefully the next time we're talking about this or I'm back on this show, we have ASU preparing for the tournament. I already guess it just depends when our next episode comes out. But anyway, uh, we'll see what happens on the court for ASU hoops and off the field for ASU football in terms of their future media uh, partners. So with that, uh, thanks for watching. Please like and subscribe. Comment if you uh, if you feel like it. And uh, yeah, thanks for watching and uh, go Devils.